Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the 43rd episode of the First Exchange podcast with me, your host, Lydia Daydahl. So every week we have a different person on the hot seat, on the podcast chair. And every week I try to bring uh, as much of a, a, a diverse offering as possible. Um, so going from sport to spirituality, to outdoor activities, to fighting, try and have as many different opinions, characters, backgrounds, stories on the chair. But obviously a lot of you that are listening would have come from watching Fight Connect TV, my other passion project, my baby. Um, So it's really good when I get to have someone that I've interviewed before for Fight Connect TV and that was uh, Tony Brown. We got him in for a very special episode. He has just announced that he is turning professional after a really successful, long amateur career. Um, So obviously with everything that's going on with uh, the forbidden C word I don't want to use it anymore um, we're obviously coming out of lockdown and it's a bit of a weird time for fighters in particular and also for combat sports or for fight sports because without events where do we go and without audiences how do we how do we continue to, to uh, develop the sport and to have fighters get their outing and, and different things so it was really great to have Tony to come in and to talk about his decision and why he decided to go pro now um, to look back on his amateur career and just to kind of give us an insight into who he is um, I was delighted for him to come in because obviously as I said I, I've interviewed him before on Fight Connect TV but when you're at an event or if you're at a fight night you're really just getting the guys for four or five minutes and it's to talk about their fight and there's no kind of you know backstory or there's no sort of um, personability I suppose it's very quick and it was really good to get him on and to hear all about you know starting boxing and who inspired him and the journey he's on so I really hope that you enjoy it and you don't have to be a, a fan of fight sports to enjoy this one. I think um, he's a wonderful, wonderful personality, wonderful character. And I think that uh, came true in the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Before I let you enjoy that podcast, can I just say thank you very much to everyone who has continued to support us on our Patreon. Patreon is a way for you to throw a couple quid our way every month just to make sure that we can keep afloat and to, to keep the podcast going and growing, uh, more importantly. Um, so thank you very much. And if you have a couple of yours to spend and you would be interested in keeping this uh, podcast afloat, then please go to patreon.com forward slash the first exchange, show us a couple of quid and help us keep this wonderful podcast going. Um, so without further ado, enjoy the 43rd episode of the first exchange with now professional boxer, Tony Brown. Tony Brown, welcome to the first exchange. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm delighted. I know. I was like, was well, obviously we were in touch recently because I was trying to get you to come on Fight Connect TV to do yeah, a live yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. But you're a busy man, so. Busy man, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I had the availability today. I was like, 
get you in. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah so this I saw is you better. a few times over lockdown as well, actually. We pass each We're other on the, the streets. Street. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know you. We live very, very near to each I think other. So, yeah, yeah, like a yeah. couple of streets apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, I had a bit of a system going in lockdown where I was like getting up. I was editing interviews from the night before. Yeah. I was having my lunch and stuff, and then I was heading off for like a little two, three hour hike yeah, within yeah. my five k. I was just going around of in course, circles, of FYI. <laughs> um, but yeah, you would have seen me like furiously like strolling down yeah, the road, yeah, like yeah, in yeah, the height. Definitely on a mission yeah, with the right side. Headphones yeah. on, like just power walking. Um, but yeah, so ha- ha- let's talk about lockdown. How did you get on? Uh, yeah, to be honest, I kept myself very busy over lockdown. Um, I was doing deliveries for my uncle there, um, with his restaurant, Rebecca. Uh, yeah, That's your I uncle's know, restaurant? I know, I know, just after dropping a bomb there, yeah. The most famous chicken wings probably in like Southside Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so never if been. If you're listening and you haven't tried them. Yeah, I have there. to get in there. Like yeah, I literally, I'm not going to say where I live, but I live very, very close uh, to Tribeca. But I haven't been yet, I'll have to go. That's, that's a... Uh, I know it's a total blasphemy, there, yeah. and I haven't had a point in McSorley's either. Oh jeez! I know I'm right. <laughs> I need to go back on the drink. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was doing that, and um, I was training a lot. You know, um, I was working on things. Um, you know, working on. I've had injuries in the past, so I mm-hmm. had, it was time to work on uh, t- a good time for me to repair them and strengthen up certain areas. Um, I did a lot of homework um had a lot of time to think about my own game mm-hmm. uh, what i needed to do so lockdown for me was very very good um i think you know a good few fighters will come out of lockdown much improved and mm-hmm. uh, in a better place mentally as well so uh, i have no complaints you know i uh, i made the most of the time um i think it was a gift really mm-hmm. the time we had um, some people saw it as a burden for me i thought it was a gift mm-hmm. to be given that time to work on ourselves do you know it's it's funny because i think quite a lot of people who um are athletes that i've asked about lockdown and how they got on they've all had a similar kind of like you know i took it as a time for reflection or to work on things that i wasn't didn't have the time or didn't have the energy to work on before or i was healing injuries and different things and it's kind of like you know the kind of the fighter mentality almost does that make sense is that yeah you have to capitalize on all types of situations definitely definitely and you know it's funny like for me individually in my circumstances like i was definitely in a bit of a crossroads so it was it was i kind of almost needed that time mm-hmm. to uh, decide what was next for myself mm-hmm. uh, so it came at just the right time for me um and yeah you, you know i use the time wisely and Things, yeah. are, things are looking on the up now and um you know well for any of your listeners that don't know uh you've just you made the announcement that you're turning professional yep very exciting time yeah 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 it's for like, sure. definitely for me someone who's been covering the sport for so many years you are one of the names that people have always been like i wonder when it will be will it be now will it be this year will it be next yeah. year so why was it for you why was now the time where let's turn professional leave the amateur career behind yeah so like i've always kind of had um you know, um, the turning professional was always the end goal for me. Yeah. It, it was always a matter of when, not if. Um, so, um, and I had considered it previously. Um, obviously, you know, Stephen, my coach is a professional coach. So yeah. the way I've been trained has always been with that pro style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always sparred pros as well. Whenever we go across the water, Stephen's from Manchester. So whenever we go across the water to uh, to his hometown and we do a bit of sparring, there, it's always with the pros. Mm-hmm. And I always got on really well. I've always had a good engine. I'm just, it's, I'm more suited to the professional game, to be honest. Um, obviously, I had a, my first kind of, 
I suppose the first time my name came on the scene was when I boxed uh, Joe Ward in the senior final mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, 81 kilos. Um, good fight. And, you know, after that then, I suppose my name was established on the, the amateur circuit and I was brought into high performance. Mm -hmm. um, in saying that, though, when I, when I fought Joe, I did have that kind of pro, real good style, you know. Went into high performance system, was... Um, you know, training under this kind of total amateur style of boxing, um, and it just didn't uh, didn't complement my style as mm -hmm. well, you know. And then I came on the back end of that, had a had a poor season. Then after being a year up there, then I went um, I went back to the club with Stephen and uh, went went back to the pro pro style, and then came in the year when I went heavyweight to ninety one mm -hmm. again, had a great season internationally. Boxed for Ireland, represented Ireland in the European Games then. Lost out in a close fight, Tony Filippi. Again, though, was spent a year in the high-performance system. And I suppose I lost my uh, my grassroots a little bit mm -hmm. of my pro style. And then I had another not-great season and on the on the backdrop of that. With a number of factors involved as well, you know. Um, after building up myself up to 91 kilos and putting so much time into putting on the weight, then to lose it in such a short time... Mm -hmm to come back to 81 because obviously Joe Ward had gone at that point so there was a there was a place there so I mm -hmm. my my natural instinct was to go back to, nine, to 81 sorry um, and I suppose I bit off a bit more than I could chew you know uh, paid the ultimate price of getting beaten in mm -hmm. the in the championships that I should have really won um, and then I suppose yeah after that then I was kind of I was left in a bit of a no man's land as to whether you know I, I'd stuck around for the 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 guts of the Olympic cycle, mm -hmm. um, and I was I suppose I was in a bit of a crossroads as to whether will I stick around for another national championships and give it another shot because I know like you know I, I genuinely know I'm good enough, to, yeah, to have been going to the qualifiers and to the games potentially, mm -hmm. or did I just turn over and then obviously all that happened and this was in the back of my mind and it just seemed like yeah it was the right decision to make then to to go over to the pros. Absolutely. Yeah. For, let's talk about the kind of amateur end of things for a bit because um, obviously there's a lot of a crossover of Fight Connect TV viewers that, that listen to the podcast but then there's also an audience that don't really know anything about um, yeah. fight sports. So yeah, yeah. in terms of, you know, the amateur end of boxing in Ireland, when you say season you know, uh, not having a good season or having a good season, you instantly think about like the football season or the Premier League yeah, or something. Yeah, Is yeah. it? Would it be something similar in, in uh, that kind it, of format? To be honest with you, the amateur season really just boils down to your performance in the national championships. You mm -hmm. know, if you don't perform and you don't get the wins, you're 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 not going to be a part of the high performance setup. And if you're not with the high performance setup, you know you're not boxing internationally really, mm -hmm. and you're not going to any majors or anything like that. So. It all really boils down to January, February that month, and how how you're uh, how you're looking then. Um, you know, and saying and in saying that, I, like I I have no criticism of the high performance. Yeah. Like that's obviously the coaches there are world class, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I I value my time that I spent there massively. I learned lots, uh, met great people, I made friends for life. But just for me and the way I box, um, it just suits me better to that kind mm -hmm. of the pro style and you know getting in and a bit a bit more rugged and the longer rounds as well mm -hmm. I've got a good engine so it's the longer rounds suit me where I'm able to really capitalise on that you know when you look back at your time at the High Performance um, Institute yeah. uh, 
what would be some of the highlights or I'm trying to give the listener a bit of an understanding of how it differs from just a regular gym or working with with a regular coach. Yeah, so like when you're in a high performance setup, you're surrounded by the best person in their weight in the country. So every every person who's there is the best person in their weight, in that mm. weight category in the country. So when you're doing a bike session, high performance, like there's no 50% or 60%, you're going 100%. Like the training is very hard and you know at the end of a training week up in high performance you are absolutely shattered you know mm-hmm. um you know you learn a lot as well you can learn a lot from watching people um obviously things like your your program your train training program and your nutrition is taken to the next level because they have professionals there who are looking after that and then obviously the other side of it is uh, all the international training camps you go to and you get to spar with opponents from different countries you get to see how other countries mm-hmm. run their systems and you're constantly learning things, you know. It's I definitely think um, having a an an international amateur career is a is a, is a massive bonus coming into the pros because mm-hmm. you learn so much different parts that you can add to your game coming into the professionals, you know. So uh, I I consider myself very honoured and privileged to have had that. Uh, experience you know absolutely and i think with boxing as well isn't it you know the amateur end is like what you say you can actually have a career as an amateur fighter in boxing yeah whereas maybe in other fight sports like muay thai jiu-jitsu or um kickboxing the amateur scene is kind of where you sort of learn your craft and if you want to like make money out of it or if you want to have quote unquote a career you need to turn pro yeah so like amateur boxing is only amateur in name you know Mm -hmm. if you if you are um if you're serious about going for an Olympic cycle and you're and you're boxing with the type performance unit, you're a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously a lot of, a lot of guys and myself included rely on your own sponsors that you draw in because mm-hmm. um, funding isn't the funding's not there at the moment. Mm-hmm. But in the past, I mean, there was up to over twenty boxers were on funding. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're in high performance, you are training full time. You know there's no like make no mistake you're not an amateur in terms of your sport it's just the sport you're you're in yeah is called amateur boxing yeah but um you know if you want to get to the top you have to literally be a full-time professional Mm -hmm. so in terms of the olympic cycle now that obviously the decision to turn pro uh, you know is that would that have been i imagine it was a bit of a a dream or a goal for you to, to to reach that olympic stage yeah of course anyone who boxes amateur and says they don't dream of being getting to the olympics you know mm-hmm. is lying yeah <laughs> straight up because it's just such a um amazing occasion and mm-hmm. i was i was very lucky to go to the european games in minsk and belarus wow. where they really put on a show um mm-hmm. they, they put a lot of money into it and uh, even the opening ceremony was just like unbelievable uh, that's something you, you remember for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and then having the experience of being in the athletes village and everything so it was good to get that experience you know? so it was almost like you know you had the vibe of the yeah, olympics and yeah. what would be like yeah like the, the the olympic council are actually involved in organizing them Amazing. um and uh i think a lot of these countries they're coming on from the um you know the iron curtain the, the their ex-soviet union countries and i yeah. think they're 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 keen to give a good impression mm. to the rest of the world so they, yeah. they put a lot of money into them and they, they really put on a good show so it was yeah it was it was amazing and uh even just like the the reception we got as athletes there was just like it was phenomenal it was it was an unbelievable experience um so i was very 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 lucky to to get that in um and then sure you know with the way the the, the way the world is now who knows mm. 
what an Olympic Games is going to look like in the future. Yeah. So, yeah, I consider myself very lucky to have gotten to go to the European Games. God, it's very sad to think that the Olympics won't be what it, we remember it as, right? Imagine yeah, an Olympics with no audience or no crowds. I know. And, they couldn't and, do it. And, you know, is there going to be an athlete's village? Like, that's kind of part yeah. of the magic is being there and seeing all these athletes and mm. meeting everyone from all these different countries. Like, it's hard to see how that could be that could be the way it is yeah. in 12 months time but yeah. who knows it's all it's all uh, up in the air I suppose absolutely when did you get into boxing I started boxing when I was 16 no way yeah that's relatively old isn't it in terms of I suppose it is yeah I mean it's obviously very young but sometimes we see the guys who make it to the level that you've made it they've started at 8, 9, 10 I think comparatively speaking yeah like so a lot of the guys who I would have like a lot of guys in that performance unit and that would have been boxing since because it would be in the family you yeah, know? I think with a lot yeah, of yeah. boxing families like it's like your dad box your brother box so you yeah. naturally you're in the boxing gym when you're when you can walk you know yeah, there yeah, was yeah. no boxing in my family so um, that's I just, interesting yeah I just got into it through curiosity I was uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a mad story actually we've got loads of time to yeah, yeah, go yeah. <laughs> you're all about the mad stories um, I got I got really bad swine flu um, no yeah, way yeah, yeah quite topical I suppose this is so on trend Shane see <laughs> yeah. I'm so good at my job yeah, yeah. I didn't um, even know this was going to be coming up yeah I got swine flu and I was I was self-isolating before before it was cool oh my I was god yeah yeah <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, so I spent uh, I spent a week um, in my sitting room, and like you know, my mom would come in and had to like cover her face and leave the dish down to me and glass of water and all the no rest. And I was just, yeah, yeah, on, on my couch. So when you're on your couch, like, and you're in the depths of Jeremy Kyle, you kind of start venturing <laughs> to the other TV channels. <laughs> so I got on the Sky, I got on the Sky Sports, and they were doing like um, I. You know, this this detail I forget. I think Pacquiao. I think uh, Hatton was fighting Pacquiao. Yeah. Because he'd already fought Mayweather. Yeah. Um, and they had this, you know, twenty four seven HBO production, yeah. and uh, it was just like it was his fight. They were doing reruns of his fight with Mayweather. Because mm. he, correct me if I'm wrong, he fought Mayweather first, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and he had that really bad knockout for Pacquiao. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then it was like the build up to the Pacquiao fight. Mm. Um, and I was watching that. And just watching Ricky Hatton, how he trained. And like, I had no previous exposure to sport boxing, really. You know, I didn't know the first thing about it. And I was just yeah. watching that going, this is fucking class. You know, can you, can you remember? No, you're allowed to swear in here. Oh, you nice. break the rules all the time <laughs> on the show. Um, but can you remember like the, the feeling of it? Was it just like, the, were you looking at them being like, they're so cool? Or look yeah, what they could like, do with their bodies? Or? I was looking at it and like, it was actually like, it was, it was, it was kind of part of like Ricky Hatton's charm. And the sport, you know, he was He's just my like, favorite. I loved him. Like mm. I was obsessed with him, and just like the way he was like training so hard and putting his body to the wire, but he was having the crack with the camera. Like yeah. he's always had a bit of time for a bit of humor, and I just was like, yeah, I just idolized him then. And then I kind of got started like started playing Fight Night Round Three with mates. <laughs> we started uh, we started getting on boxing gloves. Uh, I remember a couple of my mates used to have only one pair of bo- one pair of gloves, so we'd all get one get left, one get a right, and we used to have one handed boxing matches. <laughs> and I started winning a few of them, so then the ego starts growing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, then it was like, no, I want to start boxing big time, and uh, yeah, I got into it. But I I I was like, I'm I still am massively impulsive person, so 
when I get an idea, like I do it there and then, or if I see something, I just like you know I'm very impulsive. So when are I, you a Virgo? No, I'm. Uh, don't tell me. A Capricorn. Damn it! I said don't tell me. But they changed it, didn't they? No, 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 <laughs> no. They, it's been debunked. There's always been thirteen constellations, but the astrology is based off twelve. Okay. So they're like, oh, we found this other thirteenth uh, star sign, but. Your star sign star is the same. You're, yeah. uh, I'm very big. Okay. Well, I don't know how much I, <laughs> I bring it up every episode. Um, you're a Capricorn. Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm very I'm, interesting. I'm first of January. I don't even know actually. To be <clears> honest with you. First of January. Aquarius or Capricorn? <clears throat> I think. No, you're Capricorn. Okay. Oh, right, right. oh yeah, yeah, Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, a sea goat is what both you are. A sea goat. A sea goat. Yeah. Tell us more. A sea. So you know the way like we all have our our kind of animal or our little kind of signs that go with the air signs yeah um, your guy your your guy is a seagoat sea which goat. is actually it did exi- exist but it, it, it is extinct now that's very strange yeah <laughs> seagoat I know a seahorse I've never heard of a seagoat <clears throat> yeah though. so a seagoat is half sea kind of like a, the top of a seahorse yeah with the body of a goat no <laughs> What? <laughs> oh wait! Are the, the wait? How the, the body of a, of a goat if it's in the sea? No. The head of a goat yeah. and the body yeah. of a sea. Why am I saying sea bass? What did you say there? Sea goat. Sea goat. No seahorse. Yeah, yeah. Fuck me. So it's got the head of a goat and the body of a seahorse. <clears throat> exactly. And it's legitimately got the head of a goat, or it's like looks. I like mean, a goat. we're talking fictional. Fictional. <laughs> oh, it's not real. No, Tony Brown. How could there be a go-head with... A... I thought you said it was extinct, which therefore... Oh, well, yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure it's... You're both staring at me, like, <laughs> in such a judging way right yeah, now. You're making some big claims here, so... <laughs> anyway, Capricorns. Okay, yeah. Um Oh, where were we? Boxing match. One-handed boxing match. Yes. Capricorns. Good memory. I completely forgot. Um, so this is where it all stemmed from. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I'm uh, like very. Impu- oh, you were very impulsive. impulsive. Yeah, yeah, very, very impulsive. Good. So it was kind of like when I said, "Oh, I want to start boxing." I was like, "Oh, here we fucking go." His, yeah. His next little phase, and then he'll do boxing for a couple of weeks, and then he'll pack it in. Yeah. And uh, my mom's mate was doing like basically one-on-one boxing lessons down in Raw Gym, down in Wines. The old Raw Gym's gone yeah. now. With uh, a lad from Manchester. Lo and behold, Stephen O'Rourke. No yeah, way. Yeah, so I went down to him one day. I had two left feet, didn't know the first, didn't even know what a job was. Didn't know a t- single thing about boxing. And uh, after the session, he said to my dad, he said, yeah, like if he sticks out, if he if he sticks out, he could be good. And then wow. here we are now. So. so how long have you been working with, with Steve then? My whole, like since day one. So How old are you now? I'm 25. So like a decade? Nearly, nearly a decade. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. Could yeah. you imagine yourself working with anyone else? Um, like, no, like Stephen just knows me too well. Yeah. No one knows me like Stephen knows me. Mm-hmm. Like myself and Stephen are, we're pretty much like you know family at this yeah. stage, literally. Um, Does that play a part in it? Because yeah, definitely. Like I think, um, you know, I've learned a lot of. I like he's been more than just a boxing coach to me. He's been like a life coach to me as well, mm-hmm. and you know, like basically like a a surrogate father figure. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, no, I've learned lots of Stephen, um, and he's always been there for me. Like no matter how mm-hmm. how it goes, um, he's always had faith in me. He's had, he's probably had more belief in me. That I thought there was times where I was thinking, ah, oh, 
you know, mm-hmm. this isn't for me. But he's always had that belief. Um, and that's kind of at times been what's kept me in it, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm always so fascinated by the role of the coach. In, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we see it in movies like all the time. Obviously, like probably the most famous one is Rocky and different things, and yeah. how important, or even like the story of Mike Tyson with Costa Mateo and different things, yeah. and how important the role of a coach is and how impactful they can be. It is, and like e- even in my career, at times I've been guilty of listening to other people, and mm-hmm. maybe you become complacent with your own coach because you spend so much time with them. But yeah. you know. I've learned the hard way. They're always right. Stephen's yeah. always right. Like he'll be glad to hear this now. But yeah, Stephen's always right. You know, he he knows me better than I know me. Um, so. But you know, I remember um, I interviewed uh, Dominic Ingle over lockdown, and um, that was one of the things that he spoke about. Um, for quite a bit, you know, he, he obviously Dominic Ingle is a very outspoken character. Yeah. And he was talking about obviously they've had many world champions in, yeah, in the yeah. Ingle gym and one of them um I love that gym actually yeah what a yeah. gym like it's just such a good vibe right yeah I love the story to that as well yeah it's just Brendan Ingle like I'm yeah, obsessed with it totally fantastic yeah but and the good thing is in boxing there's a lot of Brendan Ingles out there it's just yeah. you, you just need to root them out and give them the platform to talk Definitely. about their story Definitely, don't you yeah but he was saying about uh, Prince Nazim do you know what I mean obviously one of their most uh Nazim Hamas one of their most famous champions that they had at the gym and how he when he reached like the pinnacle of his career he had the money he had the women he had the cars he had the like the celebrity he was winning all these fights he was undefeated he was a champion and the ego then that goes with that he stopped listening to Brandon his coach and started taking advice from outside people and you know and Dominic's whole thing now is how you know your coach is always right yeah, no matter yeah. what level you get to, that coach doesn't change. I mean, obviously some do, but yeah. people like Brendan Ingle didn't change. Yeah. And, you know, Nas says now I should have, because they fell out and they he walked away from the gym for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously then it turned back around and he came back to the gym. But it's just so fascinating, I was isn't listen, it? I was actually listening to an interview with Brandon Ingle Sr. about that. Really? Not so yeah. long ago. Yeah, yeah. No Very interesting. It is, sure. yeah. yeah. And, you know, well, like, I mean, he just took kids off the streets. Like, like... Um, any coach does do you know what I mean and when I say off the street I mean like yourself people just rocking up to the gym with two left feet and then Stephen saying if he sticks it out we might have something here but how you're able or coaches are able to use the sort of I suppose tenacity of the fighter and the desire to be great and want to win and be a champion mixed with their knowledge and together they can it's a blueprint that many many of the fighters can have yeah do you know what i mean it's not just oh this kid is really special so he's the one who's going to be a champion yeah you yeah. know the blueprints there if you stick to it if you stick to your training and you have the belief and everything else like it's limitless to what you can achieve definitely yeah yeah absolutely and like like on top of that as well as you know steven similarly to someone like Brandon Ingle would have mm-hmm. taken me in when I was nothing and so yeah. you know they care about you, you know that's yeah. a big thing as well they they have your best interests mm-hmm. at heart and that's I think there's a lot of people when you get it especially when you go into professional boxing there's going to be sharks all over the place and yeah people are looking to take advantage <laughs> yeah. of it yeah so it's important <laughs> to stick with those kind of people who, yeah. who actually care you know yeah um but yeah Stephen's a great coach he's really creative as well mm-hmm. I think that's really important and he's got box. a good stable. I mean, he's and he's stable, got a diverse yeah. stable, right? There's he's different characters stable, in there. Yeah, and like he, um, you know, yeah, he's got he's he's got a good stable, and uh, he's got a system now. He's he's you know spent the last number of years perfecting his system, and mm-hmm. um, you know it's, it's starting to come to fruition now. Especially now that we're all moving into professional ranks, mm-hmm. Stephen's style is very suited to professional ranks. But Stephen, like I said, he's 
he's always been so creative. I remember in Raw, like the the drills, he he'd make them up himself, you know, or just like stuff that like you just wonder how he even thought of it, mm. but it's and it's effective, you know. Because I remember Steve, like when I started with Stephen, I was like. We'll get to that actually, the whole Superfly thing. Is that your fight name? Is that going to be your pro that's fight name? That's my name, yeah. And I'll give a bit of background to that as well. I think that's important. Yes, it is. But, um, sure, we'll go into it now. Yes, let's topic. take the floor. So I have, I had <clears throat> no rhythm and that was, that was my problem. Like when I started boxing, I was very, and I still can be, well, well I've, I've much, much improved. But I was, yeah. when I started, I was very robotic. Yeah. And I didn't have rhythm. So Stephen used to always say to me, like, you know, go to the music, go to the music, go to the music. And I found that soul music for me was like really the music that got me moving and flowing nicely and got and I, I could really get my rhythm going. Uh, so I always constantly listened to soul music when I was shadow boxing stuff on my home alone. Wow. And now anytime you come in the gym, when you walk in, if you hear Motown or soul music playing, you know I'm in the ring sparring or I'm there training because I always play it now. The no other lads in the way. gym might protest to it, but <laughs> that's the way it is when I'm there. But uh, yeah, so, and then one of my favorite albums was an album by Curtis Mayfield, Superfly. Yeah. And that's where I came from. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you actually look that's at the album, classic. if you look at the album and you look at the the album cover, the writing he uses is what I base my own logo off that I'll have my shorts. It's based off his writing, wow. the same font. So that's where it comes from, you know. That's a great story. But then on that, there's more to it than even. Like then, the more I listen to soul music and the more I kind of got influenced by that era, the more I started looking at fighters from that era. And mm-hmm. like some of the best fighters, or the best fights that happened were in that era when you had like the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. that kind of one music was soulful and you had yeah. funk and the likes of like Tommy Hearns and Sugar mm. Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler, like all those lads. Like, yeah. You know, that was when boxing was. Well, tops. that's, you know, and it's like, um, there's such an argument now where, you know, the, the keyboard warrior boxing fans will protest yeah. that they don't make them like they used to. You know, yeah, yeah. the fighters now are nothing like those. Is. And obviously, hat tip to the guys in that day. Like, the the, the fights are some of the, the greatest fights that we, yeah, we have, yeah, you know. Yeah. But obviously, things evolve and fighters are, you know what I mean? But and, and if you put, you know, like a fighter from today and against a fighter from back then, yeah, it's who, who can say who would have won. But yeah. the one thing you can't say is fighters today probably have different advantages that fighters back then didn't mm-hmm. have, which might play into their hands, you know. But uh, I think back then, though, it was a bit more pure. That's I think that's what yeah. people are getting at. Like, people just fought. If, if someone else was claiming the right to be the best in the weight division, you had to fight him, you yeah. know, because you were the best in the weight division. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, oh, I'm not fighting him because he's not my mandatory and my manager and my promoter doesn't want me to fight him. I'm mm-hmm. fighting this guy and blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Like, you're, how long are we waiting for Pacquiao Mayweather? Like, you know. Yeah, and then it comes around and, and you're just like, just, you're exhausted. You're yeah. like... And when it did come around, just... it, was, they were both, it was past the point where it was... Exactly. You know. This is what's going to happen with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. Yeah. For me already, I'm, I do not want... Because even when I do, stu- like, uh, an Instagram live or something... Like, why is he fighting Wilder again? He absolutely demolished him No one him wants the last to see fight. him fight Wilder. Yeah, he should have won the first fight. He demolished him in the second fight. What does he have to do to kill him in the next this fight? This is like, the bit just... of boxing that, like, yeah. you know, it turns fans away because it's like... The point has been proven. Do yeah. you know what I mean? He's, well, go, he's not so. going to win this this third fight. No. Wilder, you know no, what I mean? No, he's not. Like, he's, he's, if not beaten physically, he's beaten definitely mentally. Yeah. Like, he, he, he shouldn't have won the first. He shouldn't have drawn the first fight. Yeah. I, personally, I thought uh, Fury should have won the first fight. Me too. Even with the knockdown 
taken into consideration controversial opinion but I feel like the draw was just so that it sets up for a second fight because there's more money to be made that's, right I wouldn't say that's very controversial at all I'd say you're pretty on the money there <laughs> Um, but that's the shit bit about boxing right yeah but it yeah. is a business as well do you know what i mean yeah like i suppose like you said it's it's uh you know you gotta roll with the times like so this is your world now this is what you're going into this is what i'm going into yeah how do you prepare you know like i mean can you prepare for it it's, cause it's gonna be very different i mean you it's obviously gonna, know boxing yeah it's gonna be very different um but i think you can't let it be very different you know that yeah. all that kind of stuff is it's all a bit of an illusion, you know, that kind of stuff, That all that, like, call-outs and media mm. and press conferences and blah, blah, blah. That's, like, at the end of the day, you need to put in the graph in the gym mm. on fight night, win the fight. That's that's it. All the rest yeah. of it that happens around it is, that's all great and it builds the fight up and all, but I suppose you kind of just have to keep your, your focus where, mm -hmm. where it needs to be. So that's that's what I intend on doing anyway. Obviously, I'm going to play my part in the build-up and fights mm -hmm. and... Uh, I suppose try and become a bit of a personality as well that people yeah. can uh, get behind and support. Where do you um, see yourself sitting? You know, when you look at not in not like what fighters do you do you want to replicate or but where do you, where do you see yourself sitting in the professional world? Yeah, I want like of course I want to be a world champion. Mm -hmm. who, who doesn't want to be a world champion? I think I can do it as well. I think I have the tools. Um, what weight class are you going to fight in? I'm starting my campaign at light heavyweight. Very cool. Um, with the plan to go to super middle, be a big super middle. Yeah. Um, I think once I get, to, once I learn how to do it and how my body's gonna respond to, you know, the different weight cuts that mm -hmm. you can do as a pro. Amateur yeah. was different because you weigh into a competition and you could be fighting four days on the trot, mm -hmm. weigh in that morning, and you never know if you're gonna be boxing in the morning session, the afternoon session, or the evening session. So you could wait in at eight a.m. And then fought at half ten, which happened to me before. So, mm -hmm. uh, with the pros, obviously, um, especially when you're going for titles, the fight's going to be up to thirty six hours before. Or sorry, the weigh-in's going to be up to thirty six hours before the fight. So, that obviously gives you a lot more, uh, you know, breathing room for yeah. for replenishing and making bigger weight cuts. So. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, who's who's in the division light heavy at the moment? at the top yeah um, it's, it's a it's actually one of the best divisions at the moment you've got like uh, you've got Arthur Baterbia oh yes uh, Dimitri Bivol um, you got Canelo lurking up there when he fought Kovalev there last you've got Anthony Yard you've got Boazzi like it's, it's yeah. stacked it's stacked it's a good so great division does that make you like when you look about that you know are you big on visualization? Yeah, Does that play a big yeah, part. Yeah, big time, so yeah. when you when you're visualizing like your pro career, do you see yourself in there with these guys? Of course. Yeah, do you have yeah, to? Do you, you have, have to do you that? Have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Visualizing is something that I actually had. It was something that I practiced a lot, and it was something that I kind of let slip a bit, mm -hmm. and then over lockdown, it's something I've been working on again. Um, and yeah, it's it's you have to be able to see it for mm -hmm. to believe it. You know. Yeah. You have to really be able to see yourself up there, otherwise you're wasting your time. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, I can see myself getting up to that that point, and um, you know now that between now and then, it's just about putting in the hard work. Mm -hmm. That's one thing as well. Like I, I listen to a lot of uh, I, I listen to a lot of interviews and various sound bites of former world champions, mm -hmm. current world champions talking during lockdown, because uh, you want to get a bit, taste of what it took people yeah. and what it does take. 
hard work every one of them said mm-hmm. that they trained their balls off you yeah. know everyone that's that's there, there's no secret it's just you have mm-hmm. to train your balls off like if you think you're going harder you can go harder and go mm-hmm. harder again and go harder again that's just what you have to do you know to get to that level do you think that experience that you've had obviously working with with Stephen O'Rourke your coach but also having that time in the performance institute as well and being part of team Ireland and having that sort of discipline I suppose where it's you know the the team Ireland that we we see the boxers they one thing that they always sort of um have represented is hard work yeah do you know what I mean you you know when they're going to a European games or a national uh championships or whatever it is that the work has been done yeah and they're literally going out there to put put it on the line do you know what I mean so does that do you think that's going to play into to your hands in terms of your professional career yeah definitely like I think you know anyone will tell you I'm a very hard worker anyway Mm -hmm. Um and I I am very disciplined, um. But yeah, hundred percent. every little bit of experience you have is going to play a part in the professional career because mm-hmm. you don't know who you're going to meet in the ring or what part of the world they're from, how they're going to fight. You know, so every everything you, everything you can do is going to is going to make a difference. Absolutely. I actually read something a very good one there recently. It said um you have to do everything because you don't know what's going to make the difference on the night. So if you're if you're cutting any sort of corners and training even if it's your nutrition or your sleep or you know something that you think is not important you don't know if that could be the difference in Mm -hmm. you winning the fight on the night so you have to do everything you know what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in terms of your entire career oh that's a very big question (laughs) the biggest lesson i've learned um One of the biggest lessons I've learned is stick to what you know. Mm, you know. That's a good one. Stick to what you know. So again, going back to being with Stephen, you know, there's a lot. There's been a lot of influences in my boxing career over the last couple of years, and at times I drifted off. You know, trying mm-hmm. to do trying to do lots of things and dividing my attention to a lot of places when I should have focused my attention in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no there's no right way in boxing in particular. So pick your way and do it. Give it 100% mm-hmm. instead of constantly trying to, you know, look yeah. all around you, which is something I've that I did in the past and it caused me mm-hmm. in fights where I should have won because I was listening to too many voices and mm. thinking about too many things. Just stick to what you know. Do you have to learn to move on as well? Like obviously fighting is such a... I imagine, as I am not a professional fighter, but I imagine. <laughs> good as, good as. <laughs> my observation, my research yeah. over the years, um, you have to have the kind of perfect balance of be, being able to remember the losses or remember the mistakes, take the positives from them or what you can change, utilize it, and also be able to move on so that you're not stuck back, kind of like rehashing out this loss and you kind of have to move on from it. Yeah definitely like you know people say to me oh do you regret moving from 91 or mm-hmm. oh do you regret this you regret... no cause what are done. you now what are you walking around at now about 83 kilos now nice no and trim way. yeah yeah so i can't imagine you at 91 yeah yeah that time last time i saw you i was up around 88 i'd say were you yeah yeah looking hench yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shadow of my former self now but yeah i, I like I would say you you learn from them, mm. but you have to just let things go. You know, yeah. if you like, you just have to live by your decisions and move mm-hmm. on with things. Like I'm, I'm where I am now. There was a while there, like where I was 
not making a decision and that's the worst thing you can do i think yeah. is be indecisive you just mm-hmm. i was actually having a discussion i literally before i came here i met one of the, one of the guys who sponsored me um tomas o'leary his company original are coming on board and sponsoring me so I'll give them a shout out now there you go that was yeah. a nice little tie yeah, in there yeah, lovely told you he was professional yeah, shane yeah but um <laughs> he was he was just telling me he's 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 been very successful in his line of work and uh he's uh you know he's his company's doing great and he was mm. saying that's the that's the most important thing is decision making you know yeah. yes. might not be the right decision but just make a decision if you don't make a decision you're just in limbo and nothing happens and Tony life Brown, goes by I'm telling you now with some of the biggest thing that I have had to learn to do in doing all of Fight Connect TV the podcast all the media stuff is making decisions make decisions yeah and 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 that exact you hit the nail on the head when you say doesn't matter if it's the right or wrong decision you have to let that go and you just have to make the decision i've often been like literally on my knees going like can someone just make the decision for me and so in my regular life like my social life my personal life i don't make any decisions he gave me a great line as well he said you know if someone comes to you with an idea you don't like say I like your idea, but I'm going to decide not to go with it. That's <laughs> It's a great out, isn't it? And another one is, if you're bad at making decisions, your decision be should be not to make a decision. Very good. That's very, really good. There Maybe you know, I should yeah. get him on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, he actually has his own podcast as well. Does yeah, he? Yeah. It's called two, two Irish Guys Talk About Software, it's called. Yeah, yeah. So I'm mental it. notes. That sounds interesting, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. I, I haven't listened to it. I only found out about it today, but I'll definitely give it a listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's talk about um I have it in my little note here. Oh god, now I can't read the notes. Oh my god, where did you st- start promotions in NYC? Sorry. Yes. Star promotions. So mm. obviously exciting time deciding to go pro and having a promotional company to back you what yeah. was the decisions to go with them how did it all come about who are they so Joe DeGuardia um, is a New York based promoter mm-hmm. um, and he's got some good fighters on his on his, his roster give us some um, names shout out some names your to man us. Joe, Joe, or Joe Smith Jr mm-hmm. he, did yeah. you see his knockout there last weekend against what's his name the Cuban guy he knocked him out of the ropes he actually knocked him oh the I did well. <clears throat> it was on ESPN Carlos Takam as well. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, the you know obviously, um, Victor was already with Star mm-hmm. Boxing. Um, he had come. Shout out Victor Abay. Shout out Victor Abay. Yeah, I think is it Rabbi now. Oh my God, he, this is actually I don't is it even Rabbi? Know. No, I'm sorry, Victor <clears throat> Rabbi. Victor Rabbi. Victor Rabbi. I think it's Rabbi. Is no, it, it is Rabay. No, I can. I have a mental picture of him in my head now saying Rabay. I'm actually nervous because when every single time I've interviewed him, he I've gotten his name always wrong. Stephen calls him Victor Rabbi, but I think his name's Victor Rabay. It's Rabay because I was calling him Rabbi. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was like, "No, it's not. It's Rabay." Sorry, Victor. Victor, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry but as well, but also not sorry. I just call you Victor. Do you so. want to get about a million people like now searching your yeah, name look and wondering who you are? There you go. That's a good shout from. <laughs> so he was already signed. Yeah, he was already signed. Um, and then obviously Joe had approached Stephen for myself and Ryan. Um, you know, there was a couple of mm-hmm. other potential options for me there and different routes I could have gone. But it just like, it made sense that we were all on the same, yeah. going in the same direction. You know, we can all train together and mm-hmm. p- potentially all be on shows together in the future as well. The dream. Yeah, I like, you know, it was a good, it was a good, it was a good deal on the table mm-hmm. from Joe as well. Um, it showed me that he had faith in me. 
Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm just uh, thankful for that opportunity. I'm looking to repay it with, as, as best I can, you know. So does that mean that we will probably see you in the States a lot more? Yeah, so obviously under normal circumstances, the plan would have been to debut in the States. So mm-hmm. when I did, when I was in discussions back months ago, it looked like things were going to be cleared yeah. up by, you know, we were looking at being, what, phase five and everything back to normal mm-hmm. by August. Yeah. Um. So the plan would have been maybe a debut in October in um, the States. Damn it. That would have been a dream. <laughs> I know, it. yeah. I've got a few of my mates live in the States as well. No and uh, I know that a lot of my mates would have definitely jumped the bandwagon and got a nice yeah. little holiday off the States for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, so unfortunately, it's not to be for the debut, but definitely as soon as I get to go ahead, mm-hmm. straight over. Would you, because obviously, uh, like the American market is very different to, we'll say, the UK market. Very they're they're, they're yeah, quite yeah. separate. Um, but obviously, we were talking before we start recording, and we're starting to see now a bit of a shift in the US market is sort of moving into sort of more UK fans' consciousness, I suppose. They're starting to be yeah. a little bit more aware of it. You know, d- did that play a part in it? Would you have likened to have been on the UK circuit? Because obviously, Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn are probably the two biggest promoters in terms of the UK. Yeah. Um, see, I think like it, it's very. I think it's very difficult to get with Eddie Hearn unless you've, you know, like he. I think well, like, you know him really well. Yeah, well, like uh, even even like some top <laughs> Irish guys, you really have to you have to prove yourself yeah. in the pros first before he'll even have a look at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. is that fair? Yeah, I think he can do what he wants. You know, he's yeah. he's the top dog. But yeah. then he's obviously he's obviously uh, branched into the US market with the zone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, like down the line, when you've got when you've got a uh, a few nice wins notched up, and that mm-hmm. there could be a discussion down the line there, or see yeah. how it goes. But uh, no, it didn't really matter to me. I think the main thing was that you had to find a promoter overseas mm-hmm. if you if you want to actually take a career as an Irish fighter domestically. Mm-hmm. You're not. It's very difficult to build a career here and to build. Yeah a following because there's no shows happening even without lockdown there's no shows happening well it was such a big topic of conversation again like obviously this is all pre-lockdown is the the argument of like why aren't there more shows yeah. you know why aren't Irish boxers being supported properly yeah you know and definitely I felt not definitely not a backlash but like I I people would voice their opinions being like yeah what can be done what can you do like why is this happening why aren't we supporting irish boxes more and it's like it's a very difficult it's money i think it comes down to money and the lack of being able to put on the shows yeah it's money um i think it's money i, I think there's i think there's more to it mm-hmm. um you know i don't know i actually don't know enough about it to to weigh in my opinion yeah uh, i don't know the particulars so oh I, that's I'd a good like, answer i'd like to have that answer yeah, too yeah, i'd yeah. take it take out my money thing i don't yeah. know anything yeah <laughs> i'd rather i'd rather not weigh in on it because i don't know enough to be to be yeah. you know to be slabbering but uh yeah it's just like I, for me like it was it was it was gonna have to be an, an obviously promoter joe Guardia, good offer good deal um steven and victor had already been in talks with him and you know everything there was a bit of familiarity then involved as well so Mm -hmm. um i can keep the people around me who are already with me so yeah it was just you know do you have a dream dream scenario in terms of venue uh opponents obviously you'd you'd love to fight for a world title in the gardens or in Mm -hmm. the mgm grant yeah or even better still if you get mega big enough and you can 
sell out an arena here. Imagine the tree arena. Imagine the tree arena. Like those days of like Bernard Dunn, Steve Collins. In the point. I actually watched his fight not so long ago. No uh, way. When it was the point depot. Yeah. Like the atmosphere there was just insane. Can't like I remember watching. Feel, I was watching on YouTube and you can still feel. You can feel the, the energy. Yeah, and yeah. it's just there's something so like raw about it or something where it's just like it's yeah. real fight clubby or something doing yeah, you know I mean? like proper, the atmosphere like, like everyone's out to watch a straightener up yeah. the road like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah 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 i'm was... so sad that those days are gone you know what i mean in terms of like you know mass having those fights at the tree arena down the road the big you know what stadiums, I mean? yeah i mean like who knows but yeah at the time for the time being it looks like uh mm-hmm. that's a bit of a bit of a distant proposition but then the MGM um, is also one I think a lot of fighters have because like that they've watched just got that fight history. people like Ricky Hatton and or like yeah, all the people just that inspired that generation yeah and I mean if you're if you're fighting if you have a fight in Vegas all your mates get to go to Vegas for a yeah. week you know that's yeah. as much as obviously winning the you know winning the titles and, and leaving a legacy is important yeah. also like you want to create good nights that everyone remembers mm-hmm. like uh, that's that's part of it when yeah. you when you when you're all said and done and you've hung the gloves up you want to be able to look back and go oh, do you mm-hmm. remember that that night was a cracker and all, all your friends were there and that that's what you want that's what you do you do it for as well what is your definition of a great fighter a great fighter i think a great fighter is somebody who is fearless and courageous in the ring Mm-hmm. and respectable and has a good deal of humility about them outside the ring as well you know all the mm-hmm. all-time greats are very soft-spoken humble guys mm-hmm. um i suppose someone who inspires is always going to be a great you know yeah someone who brings the next generation into the sport mm-hmm. for me like someone like ricky hatton for example yeah. you know i'd consider him a great you know He's then, my, he's my greatest. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and no since then I, I learned more about the sport of boxing. You know, the likes of Sugar mm-hmm. Ray Leonard and them. I'd con- obviously they're all absolute yeah. greats as well. You know, amazing. Yeah. Well, before we go, we there was some questions that came in. Oh, okay. So I'm going to read them out. Um, but and that's a good tie-in because somebody uh, asked about inspirations. Let me just bring it up here now. Sure. This is riveting listening yeah. <laughs> we get a little background music coming in here for these bits um so it is from uh terence o'shea and he's asked who was your biggest inspiration growing up in general or boxing he, he's he said he hasn't stipulated whether it's boxing or not so maybe like it, did you have a few obviously you mentioned yeah. ricky hatton was the reason you started boxing. ricky hatton i suppose when i was being a when i was a little prick uh maybe it was eminem <laughs> Slim oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, i have a funny story um i dabbled uh in my 1516 i uh we bought tickets for uh limp biscuits oh yeah throwback there yeah and fred durst hurt his back and cancelled their big gig okay. and um we the the ticket master that we bought said that we could have tickets for creamfields or m m two good options two good options so we went with m nice. and uh he cancelled and then we were able to go back and we went to creamfields and then i went to creamfields and i lost my mind to the night scene for maybe about three years that's my little story <laughs> so yeah i've never forgiven m for it 
Yeah. But yeah, also loved him. Fred yeah, Durson and then him. He owes me big he time. He owes you a weekend away in a spa or something. <laughs> <laughs> Cleanse yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But who else? So obviously... Yeah. Like you're wearing a backwards red baseball cap listening to Eminem with baggy pants while watching Ricky Hatton on TV fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Eminem. uh, Who else? Jesus. Um, Yeah, it was just like, it it was just a build up of and I used to love Chuck Liddell as well, actually. Yeah, Yeah, no way. Do you watch Eminem? I was going to say, do you watch MMA? I'd, I'd be a Salva fan. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna say yeah. like I'm an MMA fan, but you know if there's a big fight going on, I'll yeah. watch it. Yeah. Um. And again, I wouldn't have enough expertise to be saying what's going on in the fight. You know, when they yeah, go to, like when the they go to the ground. I, yeah. But I, I've done a couple of jujitsu classes. No way. Yeah. So I have total respect and admiration. Like it's like you know when you go to the ground against someone who knows what they're doing, you don't. You're mm-hmm. literally. It's like. Yeah you're just powerless completely powerless you know so um i definitely have total respect for that um yes tony brown yeah. good answer I'm many a man i fought in the pub that has said otherwise really yeah, yeah. i put somebody oh, put something if i find if i find out someone's a black belt in jiu-jitsu by the time he turns his head around i'm gone 500 yeah. meters down the road sprint <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i started jiu-jitsu i used to like what this is when i used to go to the pub and i had a social life um but like you know you can ask the conversation of oh yeah jiu-jitsu and then lads be like yeah but like i mean it's not going to do anything against me yeah, like you know yeah. you're fucking just a bird like you're not yeah. going to do that and then i'd be like okay i guarantee i can put you to sleep no you won't be able to and then i do and it's like <laughs> when i posted a video on my twitter the other night because someone yeah. was like did you have any videos choking out lads and i said yeah i actually do and i uh post the video there's, um, a, there's a good quote i read once by did you ever hear of the art of war by sun tzu yeah it's one of my favorite books and he yeah, says yeah. you know only but the gist of what he says is only ever choose to enter a fight you know you're gonna win yes. so if you're getting in against someone who's yeah. a black belt in jiu-jitsu good luck yeah but that book is such a like a metaphor for life not just yeah, yeah, yeah. uh fighting do you know I mean like it's I actually, so I got a good edition of words like um translations on all the various pieces no way yeah Daddy. i'll give you a land of it yeah, yeah please yeah, do yeah, please sure, do yeah. amazing um okay uh keen duggan has asked are you still going to wear your dublin jersey before fights absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah i actually uh keen was in uh when i was in cabra boxing club he was there no way yeah really? he, he was only like a thought like he was teeny whenever no whenever i was in the club and then um back in october there i went away with the dublin team to london and he was on the team and he was like four times the size no yeah, way yeah. so i got yes. to box with him so it was, it was Brilliant. great yeah, 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 that's was, so good yeah, isn't yeah, it yeah yeah but yeah. like what's the um obviously being from dublin obviously why you would want to wear a dublin jersey but it's obviously your walkout well, i just started wearing a dublin jersey um it was like i had like i actually kind of just it was an old jersey that i had at home so i just brought it with me there for a warm-up one time yeah. you know and then like i kind of just it just became a part of the whole warm-up i always slap on the dublin jersey and i don't think there's any pro fighter that wears a dublin jersey walking out is there yeah i don't i don't think so no 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 there no. you go yeah brilliant yeah proud of my city yeah, yeah i love that i love that um let me see if i can get this person's name samuel Christoph has said uh what is your favorite amateur fight my favorite i assume he means fight. of yours um i'd say my favorite amateur fight is was either obviously i think the final with joe war was a great mm-hmm. fight um oh there's a few i had a, i had a great fight with um when i boxed Kirill 
Fanasev. He's a good mate of mine. Yeah. So it was it was a, it was a weird one, like because we were good pals, but we yeah. had to. What is that like? It, it's actually like surprisingly, it's 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 you just get on with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you just leave that to one side and you get in and kill each other, and then it's yeah. grand after. That was a, that was a good fight, um, and then uh, I boxed. Um, there's been loads of good fights. Jesus, I boxed Peter Mullenberg in the semi-final of the Eindhoven Box Cup and Amazing. he was the Dutch representative of 91 and that's obviously in Holland mm. Dutch judges all the rest and I, I have because obviously we were talking like, I interviewed uh, Paul Simpson um, he was he actually did my corner for that fight yeah, no way because yeah, yeah. he had the cup from Eindhoven Cup yeah. the Box Cup two, and I was like no way I'd never heard of it it was the one before no way but, but Stephen yes. couldn't go in the end and uh, Paul Paul uh, did my corner so he'll, he'll remember that night as well that was that was a that was a very good night. Yeah, it seems like a really good um, yeah. uh, competition. There's been a lot, like, there's actually been some, when I think back, uh, I've had some great fights. I've, I've had some, like, I've, I've had some some mad people doing my corner as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember I boxed in Sweden and uh, I boxed against, I was boxing this guy. He was, I think he was a Swedish champion and he was like, it was at 91 and this guy was like six foot eight or six foot nine. He was huge. No I remember way. seeing him warm up and being like, ah, you know, I saw him, I was like, ah, he's obviously a super heavy. It's grand. Yeah. Shoot. <laughs> but I went over with and I, I went over and uh, Stephen couldn't go again. So I, at this point I was hungry for fights. So I was going all over the place getting yeah. fights. I got in touch with this guy, Sean Crowley from Iron Boxing Club up north. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually had to leave because his flight was, his flight was for, um, oh no was before my fight. So him and his lads left. But he put me in touch with these guys from Hoddison Boxing Club. You know Hoddison yeah, Boxing Club? Yeah, a guy yeah, called yeah. Saab Leo did my corner. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally just met him. He's like, you're all right, Tony. You're set up all folks. All right, get in there. Yeah. Uh, did my corner. I was like, never met this guy. And I was coming back to him. In the, and he's like, yeah, you won that round, mate. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so weird. So that was like, that, that kind of stuff like, you remember that kind of stuff as well. And yeah. then I actually ended up like meeting, I've, I've met Saab and since then I, I boxed against, um, I boxed against his boy, George Crotty then. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. In the box up semi-final. Mad fight. Basically, the fight was like 40 seconds long. Came out, George just like jumped on me straight away. Obviously Saab knew like that's kind of the way. I Sometimes I can be a little bit slow to start. Yeah. Um, not anymore though. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> obviously the tactics was George jump on him. Not really a single punch landed and then the two of us clashed heads. George got a bad cut so he couldn't box. Shit. So they went to scorecards. He won the fight. He went through but he couldn't box in the final. So the guy in the final just got a walk over and I was like spending the whole week or the whole night Going talking to the officials, talking to the Tom Rogers, being like, "Can I just fight him? Even if it's not for the cup, can yeah, I just, yeah, just, I just, just want to fight." The time, and they're yeah. like, "No, you can't fight him. You can't fight him." I was like, "I will literally. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll even fight the guy, the loser from the other semifinal. Just let me fight. Just have one more fight." I, I, yeah. You know, they, they were talking about it, and it never happened. It was a real oh, shame. Oh, a disaster! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's stuff like that that you wish there was a little bit more yeah. compassion, maybe in the sport. Yeah, and it was it was it was annoying because I had boxed my first international tournament for Ireland. As an 81, I boxed George Crotty in the Tamar Cup final. And he beat me on a split decision. Close fight. So it was kind of like, yeah, I get to settle a score now yeah. with him. And then I never got to go past like 30 seconds. So no the two of us were... Way. So George, if you're listening, we're still due that, yeah, yeah. that final. Your first official call out. Yeah, the yeah, professional. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, uh, Kali Ryanen? I think it is, has asked um, if I was to go to YouTube, what fights would you recommend I watch? 
some of your favourite fights that you've had? Oh, of my favourite fights? Well. Or favourite fights? May, or maybe, if well, you can do your fights or you can do good fights that, you know, those classic series of fights that you would always be like, oh. Fights that I'd watch? Yeah. Um, I would watch Roberto Duran, Marvin Hagler. What a fight. Classic. What a fight. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, because everyone thought Roberto Duran was going to win on the inside, mm-hmm. but Hagler was winning on the inside and Duran was winning on the outside. So it was like, that's a class fight. Yeah. Um, any of Canelo's fights. Mm-hmm. He just like the last couple of years, every time he fights, it's like watching poetry in motion. Yeah. Um, I would say Mayweather fights, but I just like, I don't take too much away from it. Like obviously... Mayweather is excellent, but it's it's a very particular. You have to yeah. box that particular way for for it to be applicable. I think mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um. But like obviously, like oh, every time he steps in the ring, it's a masterclass. But yeah. at what he does, mm-hmm. um, it just depends. I suppose it just depends on how you box yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an inside fighter or a long range fighter or a bit of both, or you use yeah. your feet. You know, you have to know where to look to to mm-hmm. take things on board. Great stuff. Okay, we have two more. Um, where are they gone? Riveting. Listening again. Uh, I should really write these down instead of like depending on my phone. Uh, so I hope I get this name right. Salahadeen Almadi. Hope that's okay. Uh, where is a good gym to start as an amateur? I've been thinking about going to your gym, O'Rourke's. O'Rourke's gym. <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 p.m. Beginning. Get a bit of class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, well, go on. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, well, just all levels there. You got be- beginners, intermediates. I will add on to that. What yes. is a good? Because a lot of people message me quite a bit about. Mm. I want to start. I yeah. don't know where to go, and boxing gyms, combat sports gyms. Sometimes they're not the best in terms of like social media or websites and stuff. So they can be hard to find for someone yeah, who doesn't yeah. have a contact. So what would you say or what advice would you give um, is the first step on finding a gym for you? Finding a gym. Um, that's very true, actually, about when you said it about the boxing clubs. It's, it's kind of an underground society. As yes. Such. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you kind of have to know somebody to bring you along. Yeah, yeah. Or you know? know someone who knows someone. Yeah. I'd say the best thing is maybe get on to someone. Like even like if someone ever added me on, follow me on Instagram or shot mm-hmm. me a message on Instagram and asked me for some advice, because I would know... If someone said, oh, you know, I live down so-and-so, so that direction or whatever, or I live over there, I could say, oh, there's a good boxing. Because yeah. I know everyone really in the Dublin boxing circuit mm-hmm. and the clubs. And there are, there's a lot of great clubs and a lot of great coaches. So, mm-hmm. um, and I definitely think that people should be going to their boxing clubs, going to their local boxing clubs. And, you know, aside from, even if you don't want to learn to box, most boxing clubs aren't going to, they're not going to throw you in the ring and make you spar. Exactly. Yeah. But if you want to get a workout, go to your boxing mm-hmm. club. I'm telling you, the amount of people I actually do I do boxing classes up in Sandyford, um but it's just like now the boxing training I do it's kinda it's a bit more technical obviously because I've done all that, but it's yeah. still for it's not for fighters, it's for people who just want to train boxing yeah. and uh, and everyone who does it, once they start, they, they never look back, you know, they start Absolutely. training that way and they realise it's it's much more engaging and mm-hmm. you're constantly improving. So yeah, first step: try and skip for fifteen minutes. If, exactly. Yeah. Try well in boxing. Obviously, you have your boxing boots, but in, for when I do my thai, we obviously are barefoot, so we skip in bare feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you've ever skipped barefoot, I've never done it on a winter morning at like eight o'clock, and the rope hits your toes. Let me just say, 
That sounds sore. It's that it's sounds an experience. Very sore, yeah. Um, but yeah, the best best workouts. I always I always sort of like maybe it's because I I do jujitsu and Muay Thai and I'm 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 in the gyms, but I've done boxercise classes in the past yeah. and I they still haven't given me the same level of workout as just actually doing the sport. Yeah, Does that yeah, make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, like going in and like in my, like whenever I teach class I try and make it as real a too. boxing workout. I don't yeah. like I try and refrain from the word box fit because that sounds like you're yeah. you're diluting boxing. You know, yeah. you come and you do a boxing session. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way I look at it. You yeah. know, from your shadow boxing, your pad work, your footwork, your bag work, all yeah. that kind of stuff, you know. Really good. Yeah. Okay, last question. Uh, this is a good one. By the way, my classes are tough club. Oh, well, boxing. I was just going to say Tony. <laughs> and if you're looking to get into it, either add me on Instagram, Superfly Tony B, or else Tough Club Official. I did see you done really good promo for that a while ago, didn't you? Yeah, did you yeah, yeah. Uh, did you do little videos promos. or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. My mate Craig Kenny does a lot of stuff. Shout out! People shout are going to owe you a lot Kenny. of money after yeah. this podcast. Yeah, I might so finish off a, a few shout outs. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of brown envelopes yeah, going to yeah. be going around. So many brown. Um, okay, last question, and it is a good question. It's from uh, Kira Smith, and she's asked, "If you weren't a boxer." What do you think you would be doing? I have no clue at all. Really? No, not at all. It's a bit of, it's a bit of a waster until I started boxing. To be honest, I was just like floating, ca- causing trouble, and just like <laughs> not doing well in school and being a pain in the ass. And then, really? Yeah, yeah. Just so boxing was was the best thing. It yeah. was the best thing for me. You know. Has it changed you completely? Oh, completely. Completely, yeah, yeah. Like I just had no focus at all before, mm-hmm. no ambition or drive, and it just made me do a total U-turn. Um, do you feel like you were meant to do this? Like, do you feel like this is your purpose? I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah. very interesting. I think whatever you're doing, you know, if, if you if you do something with this kind of passion and drive, then it has to be. Mm. You know, it has to be. If you, if 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 it doesn't feel like a job, then it's definitely the thing for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's like. If you can do it every day and be delighted yeah. that you get the opportunity to do it, that's yeah, how yeah. you know it's meant for you. That's yeah. what that's what I take with my stuff. Yeah, and sometimes like oh, you'd be having like a hard week training, and you're going, oh fuck's sake, I have to do this. But then yeah. you could just have things yourself. I get to do this. Yeah, I'm blessed. Imagine like, being sat in a desk and everyone's yeah, five yeah, and like, like when when everything's gets having sciatica or something. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Because a very common um, medical condition for people who sit at desks. I'll have you yeah, know, Shane. I think, the, and I think, like, even for me, like, because I'm 25 now, so loads that's of them. very young. I wish yeah, you but... wouldn't keep saying like I'm 25 <laughs> now as I sit here at 36, being like, "Fuck, you're 36." Yeah. No way. Yeah, like, it's Stop August. The lights. Yeah, 14th of August, 2036. Holy shit! I... I know. Yeah. Fair play. Thank you very much, yeah, Tony. Not at all. <laughs> What's your secret for the, for the listeners? I'll tell you exactly what my secret is. I train every day. Well, five days a week. I do jiu-jitsu. That's a big thing. Yeah, so it yeah, helps you out yeah. mentally. Um, I don't have kids. Okay, that's got to be a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't drink. I don't take drugs. I don't smoke. Okay, Shane's raisins. I do have a drink occasionally, like every few months yeah, or weeks. There, but I don't drink. I'm not like in the pub every weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I meditate. That's a yeah, big one well, to keep yeah. my mental yeah, yeah, yeah. clarity together. And, on the ball. On the ball. And I do a job that I love. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. That's there what it is. Go. I'm happy. Happy, happy, yeah. It takes I'm 10 happy. years off you. Yeah. And I'm not in a relationship as well, which is a major one. So I get to just live my life as I yeah, want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. You okay, know what I mean? Yeah. No restrictions, no like selfishly which you know 
yeah, I do yeah. Uh, but yeah it is selfish I feel like sometimes I feel like it's selfish because I like I just have I'm having the best time ever do you know what I mean yeah. and I just do what I want to do all the time yeah um, why not why not why not do what you want yeah to do why, not? why not I think it's because we're conditioned to think otherwise I yeah, think I, I should yeah. I, it's like kind of a guilt thing where like I feel like you know you should be slogging away and yeah but I am slogging away it's just I'm having so much fun doing it it doesn't feel like a slog you know that's that's what I was saying like I was like there's times where I would uh, you know compare myself to other people at my age and how they're getting on in life and they have a job and they have a car and yeah I have a car, but still, they have a job. Oh, I don't have a car. They have a job. That's coming. <laughs> yeah, they, have, they have a job. They have a gaff and all this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I should really be doing that. But then you're like, yeah. you can't compare yourself to someone who's doing exactly. something that you wouldn't do. Like yeah. if they've got a job, but it's in an office and they're making hundred k a year, mm. but it's something that you would hate to do, then you can't compare yourself to them. Absolutely so, not. So yeah. And I think the older you get as well, now that I sit here in my thirties, uh, you understand that like chasing like monetary things or chasing like superficial things or trying to get up like the your career or up like some kind of a ladder of yeah, some sort yeah. like it doesn't it doesn't bring you happiness it doesn't no. fulfill you do you know what i mean like no. the only thing that's going to make you happy at the end of the day is doing ha- like waking up and being excited about what you're going to do that day yeah. and having like you know obviously eating well and training and you know looking after all that side of stuff but also having like structure and being yeah. busy. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Definitely. I don't have time. I we're talking my about... mind that I'm not busy. Yeah, right, totally. Yeah, I thought I had COVID actually <laughs> over COVID. Swine flu and COVID. Jesus, so you would have been unlucky. I, I was training so much that uh, one of my dad's mates, uh, man, sorry, one of my mates' dad's, man's dad, Martin, I do go training with him and um, he's real old school. He's done like every... He's from up north. He's a hardy guy. He's done like every kind of uh, combat sport and like martial art you can think of. Like, he's literally like, you know, Irish Bruce Lee, this guy. Um, but I started training with him. We would do mad sessions. We were basically doing like triathlons because he has a treadmill in his gaff and he has a bike and Daddy. the bags inside. And we were doing like four hour sessions without a break, you know, mad stuff. Yeah. But I was just doing that because, you know, I couldn't because it was just, it was kind of for the mental side of it as well. Yeah. Test myself. But I ended up getting burnt out. Um, and getting really sick, like really sick, got a bad fever, uh, was like getting the sweats. Now, didn't get any of the lung stuff, but yeah. I was like, I surely have COVID, you know. Yeah. This is like three or four months ago when lockdown was heavy, you know. No way. Yeah, so I got tested and the only thing that was going through my head the whole time was I can't sit in my room for the quarantine. Like I can't quarantine yeah. myself. Like I, nothing else was phasing me. It was just yeah. like, I'm not going to be able mm-hmm. to do that, like, you know, so... I'm the same as yourself in that respect. Yeah, totally. And with the lockdown, that was exactly the way I was. I think I spent a week not doing anything. I'm like, I'm going to make banana breads and I'm going to, you know, like just like relax and yeah, take this yeah. time because I'm always so busy and always have a full schedule. And then like after the first week, I was like, no, something has to give. So that's when I started doing the live interviews, which, yeah, yeah. which then totally changed in terms of like audience and, nice. you know, so it was... Yeah, yeah. A good experience, a good learning experience. Cool. Um, so yeah, here's to being busy. Being busy. Consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cheers to that. Thank you so much for coming in. Not at all. Before I go, I'm going to take ownership here Absolutely. and give, give shout, shout out. Absolutely, give shout outs. Yeah. Yes. So shout out to O'Rourke's gym and everyone there. Yes. Stephen, doing a great job with us. All the fighters. Yeah. All the lads. Um, we're all working hard towards our up and coming fights. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't, follow O'Rourke's gym. Follow myself. 
Superfly Tony B. Yep. Uh, shout out to all my mates. Yeah. Of course, the boys over in Austin. <laughs> uh, two of my mates actually, Slim and Connor, started boxing there. So I was on the phone to them. The other no, day Slim and Connor. Yeah, yeah. So they started a bit of boxing. So Slim and nickname. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And uh, then uh, shout out to all my mates here. Um, shout out to the family, of course. Yeah. And most importantly, shout out to all my sponsors. Um, I want to give, obviously, Fight Store a shout. Yeah. Um, I want to give Powerful Nutrition a shout. Um, Powerful Ireland a shout. Uh, I want to give Origina and Tom- Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Very... Our friend who we're going yeah, to get yeah, on the podcast, who does his own podcast. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to my uncle, Daryl Mahoney, Jerry Sheehan, Philly Quinlan. And could I also give a shout to my uh, strength and condition coach moment, um, Steve Malloy at Adapt Strength. I just lo- I and if I've forgotten anyone I'm very very sorry <laughs> I'm on the spot here but I, I won't forget you next time I'm gonna listen to, listen this over and make sure I get you the next time if I've forgotten you but um, yeah look I'm so excited to see what you do in the professional ranks yeah it's really yeah. cool yeah it's gonna be good it's a I good think. time as well yeah it's a good time and listen it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit of crack I'm gonna have some good nights ahead and mm-hmm. uh, I'll be able to really showcase what I'm about and um make an impact on the professional scene so amazing I'm very confident of doing that um you know I'm, I'm a very pragmatic person if i didn't think i could do it then i wouldn't mm-hmm. be wasting my time and i'm not one for wasting time so i plan on making a statement good stuff yeah when you're fighting for a world title will you get me a media plus if i'm still in the game 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. i'm still doing seats. this yeah, yes of course you're still gonna be doing this i know oh yeah be doing this on a global level by then yeah yeah, yeah maybe so you, you better have time for me oh um, tony brown i always yeah. will no problem yeah. <laughs> um but listen uh looking forward to hearing about the next fight or when the fight's announced and all yeah, those yeah, good yeah. things that are coming along but thank you very much for coming in not at all Tony Brown for the First Exchange podcast. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the super light tree runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.